You know, we're in the, we're just coming near to the end of Gospel of Luke in the, in the Bible project. And uh, just encourage you, you know, it's, uh, you know, sometimes you miss a few days or a month on the Bible project and you think, oh, that's it. You know, just jump right in. Whatever the, the date is, if you haven't got the, um, if you haven't got the, the schedule for the reading, just let us know and we'll send it to you. And it's like, it's all right if you miss, we're at the end of Luke, but it's all right if you miss because this time next year we we'll go back to that. So like we're just we're just constantly getting the word of God into us, and you know what's really encouraging? I don't know whether you, I hope you've experienced it that you're talking to someone you go, did you see that in Luke this week? And you know your conversations now is about what God has showed you in every day outside of this building, outside of home church, maybe at the school game, maybe in work, maybe on the bus or something. You go, yeah, you know what? Did you see that today? And and it's amazing. I'm 35 years a student of the Bible. This book is incredible. This never stops giving. This is the book that never stops giving. I, I mean, honestly, I've heard more well was out of me reading the word. And you know what's amazing as well? Like when it's read out loud, like in, in the early prayer meeting that we have in our house, that, uh, when we read it out in the morning, and honestly, you just hear us going, wow. You think all the wells be out you after 35 years? When you think, I've studied, I've done Bible studies, I've gone to conferences, I've sat in church, that incredible. And this morning, there's no, there's no less. I'm going to read out um, the scripture. It's Luke 17, and verses 11 to 19. Well-known passage, and it's simple and, simple and hopefully quick, says you. No money. So it says, while they were traveling, Jesus and the, and the team, he passed between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village, ten men with serious skin diseases met him. They stood at a distance and raised their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. When he saw them, he told them, Go and show yourselves to the priests. And while they were gone, they were healed. But one of them, seeing that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice gave glory to God. He fell face down at his feet, thanking Jesus. And he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus said, were there not ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Didn't any others return to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he told him, Get up and go on your way because your faith has made you well. A well-known passage. Having leprosy in those days which would be no different today, although there's not, there is leper colonies, but it's not an everyday thing that we see in, in our world. It was a very restrictive lifestyle. It was, it was something that caused people to live way below what they were designed to live for. And Jesus says to them, we'll just work our way through it, but he says to them when they got healed, he says, go and show yourself to the priests. And they would have gone back to the priests. And they would have shown him, they presented themselves to him. They would have, the priests would have known that this person was, was now, um, the light change that this leprosy brought to their lives was incredibly traumatic. Incredibly restrictive. That they would have happened to be put out of their family put out of the village, put out of the community, put out beyond the gates of where they lived, isolated, 
from family and friends and forced to exist in an existence that just put a ceiling on their life that they could never ever get out of. And not only that, everybody else knew they were unclean. That you had this disease that was very contagious. They didn't, it was so contagious, they wouldn't even let anyone that had leprosy's shadow go on people. Because if your shadow is on people, you're close. And not only that, they had to walk around saying, unclean, unclean, if anybody was coming near them. No one could touch them. Imagine they never had a human in touch in a long, long time. Nobody wanted to be near them. What they had was very contagious. These men found themselves in a restricted lifestyle. And when Jesus would have told them to go back to the priests, in Leviticus it tells us what they would, should have been doing when they went back to the priests. Or what, if someone got healed of leprosy, which in the Old Testament was only two people, if you, if you name them, I'll, I'll give, you a, give you a sweet. Anyone know, know the two in the Old Testament? Naaman. He was Brabant, and he's got that same on the buzzer. Joe. Joe, boy. No. Miriam. Miriam, Moses' sister. So, it was very rare, but in the Old Testament, there was instructions given to Moses in Leviticus. In Leviticus 14, that this is what to happen when someone gets cleansed from... You think God knew the future, didn't you? That was like, he put it in there knowing that his son was going to walk the earth. And that people were going to have to show the priests. And all the priests would have known what these instructions were and what they would have meant. And someone now come and say to them that I've been cleaned, I've been healed by Jesus. That they would have now kicked into all of the ceremonialism that Moses was given um, to, to announce for them to go through so they would be announced clean and whole. And you think this would have been an easy thing. Can I just tell you some of the stuff? You can read it yourself at some, some stage. The, the, the priest had to declare them that, yeah, you have leprosy, and you have leprosy, and then he would have had to declare that they were healed. The former leper would have had to bring two birds, two doves, some cedar wood, scarlet yarn, and some hyssop. Then the priest would order that one of, the, of the, the boards be killed and blood would be shed on the clay pot. And then he would take the live board and dip it in the blood together with the cedar wood. And then he would, he would wash them in it. He put water and blood together and wash, put washing on them. Seven times, seven times he sprinkled, he'd sprinkled the one that was defiled with this disease. Then after that he would take the other board and he would release the board. It doesn't stop there. The leper had to take off their clothes, shave off all the hair and take it back. At this point he was allowed to come back into the camp but not to go near his family or the tents. Seven days later he'd have to shave off his hair again, his eyebrows, his beard, everything. And after that he had to wash the clothes again and take another bath. And at that point he would be considered clean. But then it wasn't still over. On the eighth day he had to bring two male lambs and one female lamb. Along with mixture of flour and olive oil and all other oils. The priest would go through an elaborate ritual applying the blood of the, and the oil to various parts of the body. This person would be then, would be assigned to the rest of the people that the person 
was cured. And only then could the leper become part of the community again. What a ritual. What a troll through ceremony, blood, oil, water, shaving, clothes wash, clothes put back on. All symbolism. All pointing to Jesus in some way or other. That the old was going to come off. That you're going to be washed. That you're going to be clean. The anointing oil. The blood. The board getting set free. What a beautiful picture of Jesus. And what he does in our lives. So here we are. We go back to our story. I wanted to give you that background. Because it will make sense in a few minutes. It was such a ceremonialism. And then when I seen the lads from Tiglin. It was like doing 10 months in Tiglin this was. I've got a laugh in my head. Especially from the lads of Dignan. <laughs> well, you can imagine this life of restriction that was put on these people. It was heavy. It was claustrophobic. It was living a life knowing that there's more. But you can't attain it. You can't gain it. You can't, you can't claim it. Because everything was, was, you were told is that you were now not functionable. Relationally, they were restricted. No talking to people, certainly no talking in an intimate closeness. No human touch. No Jew would have been allowed to touch a, a, a leper because now they were ceremoniously unclean themselves. No holding loved ones. No getting held by loved ones. No one in your life of, of, of any real relational significance. There was ten of them together. And when you look at ten of them together, you're probably thinking, they were trying to form some type of community. Some type of, I'm with someone else that understands what I'm going through. But because of hopelessness, all they probably could share was history. Or how bad I've been treated. Or how this has restricted my life. And all we really have is war wounds because they couldn't talk about the future. Because as far as they were concerned, there's no future. The last person that got healed from leprosy was Miriam. Well, four, five, six thousand years prior. So they were restricted relationally. They were restricted communally. No community gatherings for these guys. No home church for these guys. No Sabbath. No going to parties. No going to celebrate the things that's happening in their family's life. Relational restriction, communal restriction, religious restriction. They couldn't go to the temple. They couldn't go where all the other people were offering their worship to God or offering their sacrifices to God. Always held back. Always held down. Always pushed back. Looked down upon. Stalled. Rejected. Denied. Dismissed. Rebuffed. Refused. Always restricted. Bodily. They couldn't do what they wanted to do because they, weren't bod- they were bodily restricted. Relationally restricted, communally restricted, religiously constricted. They couldn't just rise up and go anywhere. They couldn't just rise up and do what they wanted. They couldn't just rise up and go and meet someone for a cup of whatever they drink in Israel. They couldn't just go and worship with their family. They just couldn't get up and go and go to a church setting. They couldn't say, I'm going to rise up and fulfill the plan of God. They couldn't just go rise and shoot the breeze with somebody. They couldn't just rise up and say, I'm going for a walk up the mountains. I'm going for a swim. Restricted living. 
restricted plans, restricted relationships, restricted dreams, restricted hopes, restricted faith, restricted functionally in every area of their lives. You know what I was thinking this morning on the way out about the Bible? I can look at the Bible and look at and reflect on these things. But I think these stories are put in there by the Lord, to, not just to reflect on them, but that they, that they would be, we would look at it as if like, it's a mirror. Where am I restricted? Where am I restricted relationally? Where am I restricted religiously, I'm just saying in that sentence. But where am I restricted in God's plans, purpose for my life? Where am I restricted bodily? Where am I restricted communally? What's holding me back? When I read this, I, I remember a woman in Clondalkin saying, she was only a Christian two weeks, so I gave her the Bible, and she came back in the next week, and she says, I'm everywhere in that Bible. She, was, she could see herself in the, in the people of the Bible. Restriction. And he called out to Jesus. I don't know how it worked back then, right? Because they haven't got Facebook and Instagram. But I remember Jesus touched one leper in Luke chapter 5 and Matthew. Do you remember he said, Jesus, if you're willing, Jesus reached out and touched them. The untouchable. The one full of restriction of human touch and tenderness. Jesus reaches out and he says, I am willing to be healed. It probably wasn't in the Jerusalem Gesset or the Jerusalem Heralds. But somehow people know. Somehow people got to know. Somehow, like it's like, we were praying here yesterday and it was like, somehow it goes into the, the, to the when, when we share out something, it's, it's supersonic. It's, it goes out into, the, into this atmosphere. But somehow in, in, in life as well, when, you know what you say, we heard it through the grapevine. That it's like somehow stories and people's life changes get out. But it's underground. It's in the grapevine. It's like God makes sure it's like subsonic. It goes down deep and goes out. And people in communities, family members. You hear about Mary. Our life has changed. You hear about the miracle that they got. And I imagine it's something like these with these lepers. That somehow it gets through the grapevine. Somehow the story of Jesus gets right through the whole of the community. And they say, if you ever see this Jesus fella, call out upon him. Because I asked him, and he said, I am willing, and he touched my hand, and the kingdom of God was released, and I'm whole. I went through all the ceremony. Oh, he did, I didn't, I don't know. But he, they call out to Jesus from a distance. Jesus, have mercy. Jesus, will you look my way? Jesus, will you have pity on me? Jesus, will you, will you think of me? I, I don't know. Maybe they were in, like, we don't get all the words, but maybe whatever you've done for old Judah that lived up in, in, in uh, Judea, will you do for me? He said you could do this. And it's amazing what stops Jesus. A cry from the heart. A cry, Jesus, even if it's from a distance right now, I'm not quite sure, I'm not allowed to go near, I feel restricted, I feel held back, I've always been rebuffed, I've always been rejected, so maybe I won't go that close. But you can imagine all of them that were with Jesus, like, here's the lepers, get out of the way. We don't want them breathing on us, we don't want them touching on us, we don't want to be ceremonially unclean, we don't want this disease. Jesus answers them. And maybe this was the first time they've been spoke tenderly by another human in years and years. He says, go and show yourself to the priests. And as they went, it's like Patrice said it something like it this morning. She felt she needed to activate what was prayed. 
They could have been looking at themselves at Jesus. No, it's not gone yet, Jesus. But it says, as they turned and went, they were all cleansed. They had faith in what he said. Go and show yourself to the priest. The only reason you go and show yourself to the priest is that you are clean. I used to be this, but I present myself now as this. The old has gone. The new has come. I can dream again. And you know what? They would have all gone to the priest and they would have all ever expected to do all of that stuff that I read out earlier on. Imagine them thinking, where am I going to get three, two doves now? And only that, I'm like, I need, I need a hand here. I need two lambs and uh, two sheep and, and, and a female sheep. I need to find cedar wood. I need to, like all of this stuff going on the way, looking at themselves. Wow, look at this, that God, Jesus heard their cry. Jesus was removed the restriction. Oh, that's what he does. He's come to heal the brokenhearted. He's come to bind up our wounds. He's come to set the captive free. He's come and we just sometimes have to take him and his word and say, Lord, here I am. Will you have mercy? You know the restrictions. I put on myself. Lies have put on me. Other people have put on me. And Lord, I don't want to stay in them anymore, Jesus. I'm sick of the harshness in my own heart. I'm sick of the coldness. I'm sick of not being in relationally well. I'm not sick of not being communally well. I'm sick of not being in my relationship with you well. Jesus, can you hear me? You know what the answer is? Yeah. I do hear you. He hears the cry even when you can't say words. He knows how to interpret the whimpers and the cries and the groans and the moans of our heart. He can interpret them. Look at that, not even an altar call he's coming. Jesus. Have mercy. They all go, imagine them looking, look at that, when they turned, look at that Bernard, look at that, remember he only had stumps of fingers, look at that, praise God, look at that. And nine of them went for the ceremonialism, and one of them says, I'm going back for the real deal. You can have your, you can have that, I want him. You can do all the religious stuff, I want him. I want to go back to the one that made me whole. I don't want to go back to a priest. I don't want to go to some mediator anymore. I've met all of the one. Without him saying all this, he knew somewhere he met the one that all of that pointed to. The blood, the oil, the washing, the cleansing, the new clothes, all of the stuff, the restoration of families, the restoration restoration relation. I'm going back to him. Do you remember the ad years ago? So nine run to the, to the religious stuff and one goes to Jesus. Anyone remember that ad? I know there's a few young ones here, but you might remember this one. Remember that ad that about whiskers? Nine hour cats prefer whiskers. If this statistic is right in Luke, nine hour ten prefer religion. Ceremonialism. We settle for stuff that looks like Jesus, sounds like Jesus, points to Jesus, and we forget that we can actually have him. We can actually hear him, have intimacy with him, know his voice, know his leading, know where he wants us to go, and look, know his healing, know his cleansing, his restoration. I don't want all that other stuff. Take that, all of that and take it to hell. I want him. I want him. I want every restriction removed off my life that hinders me from having all of him that I can have. And it does mean taking off the old clothes. It does mean, like, I was thinking of these men, right? I was thinking, because it's a mirror. It's not just a story, it's a mirror. It's God, what he does. It's, it's not, the Bible's not about what God done. 
It's about what he does. And, and, and so I was thinking of them. So if you've been rebuffed, dismissed, rejected, told you nothing, and you're looking at it and it's all confirming what everyone's saying, imagine what they were saying to themselves. They're right. This is all I am. Imagine the self-talk that was going on. He wants to remove that. He wants to, he wants Romans 12 too, he wants to, to give us an ability to not live in accordance to the pattern of this world, but be renewed in our minds to be able to live according to the plan, purposes and will of God as good, pleasing and perfect purpose for our lives. That like, so all the stuff, I'm, I want to take it off. I want to take off you all. I want to take the voices out of my head. I want Jesus, will you heal me of the trauma of being rejected? Will you heal me of the trauma of, of being dismissed or being rebuffed or whatever it is, whatever I'm carrying? I'm calling out to you, Jesus. And your man comes back. Was that not 10 years? I know, Jesus, 9 out of 10 cats prefer religion. came back roaring. Glory to God! He wasn't restricted anymore. He wasn't calling out, unclean! Un-. He wasn't calling that anymore. It says, in a loud voice. You know, one of the things to break restriction is to let your voice be heard by you. People say all the time, I was praying in my head. Don't just pray in your head. I was praying to myself. Don't just pray to yourself. Allow your voice to be heard. Especially in those restricted areas of our life. No, I'm not selling for a broken heart for the rest of my life. I'm not selling to live out of that old way. I'm not selling for that mindset anymore. I can't help it. I'm calling Jesus. And as soon as I come back to Jesus, thank you. I'm not unclean anymore. Glory to God. I'm not the only person I used to be. Glory to God. Falling at Jesus' feet. Jesus, thank you for saving me, for healing me. I'll give you all the praise, all the glory. Everything belongs to you. You deserve the honor. Everything that's of value in what happened, I give to you, Lord. It breaks stuff. Try it. <laughs> it's only words. It's only hearing. I'm going to Jesus. I'm going to let his hallelujah be in my mind. He was shouting that over to him. Jesus, son of David, have mercy. Jesus, son of you. Can you imagine their testimony? We met this Jesus 30 years later. We met Jesus 30 years ago. Your man's testimony. Oh, yeah, I heard his voice today. <laughs> what? 30 years ago? Yeah, when we met him in the field, he told us to go to the priest. We've done all that stuff. We have a testimony that is old. Where this man had a live and breathe and walk and talk and live in relationship with the King of Kings. And he was shouting out a place of hell. Of restrictive living, of this being dismissed and rejected. That's what they were shouting out of. This man came back and he knew Jesus turned his hell into a hallelujah. That's because that's what he wants to do. He wants to take that torment and turn it into a torrent of praise and adoration up to, towards the King of Kings. And your man gives us this picture. And do you know what? If you ask me, like, certain questions, I haven't got a clue about years, dates, or times or anything, but just, Sharon's great, you know. You can say, Sharon, when was that? And then she'll name someone's baby that was born, or someone got married, the exact date. And maybe, I think it's a woman's thing, those men just want headlines, you know. It happened. When was it? <laughs> Who was there? But I remember 2019. Remember from 2019 year, like from then, it's been significant 
in my life, in, in my journey with the Lord. And uh, one of the myths, one of the visions the Lord gave me, have, have it all on this little iPad. Well, sort of little iPad. And one of them was that we were worshipping, right? And I had this picture. And in the picture, the church, the church of Jesus, not just us, the church of Jesus, the church that belongs to Jesus. They, we were running, it was like a battle line. And we were running, right? We were running somewhere, right? And ahead of us was the world in all of its glory, right? All of its bigness, right? So what was there when I looked up? We were running towards a battle line. And when I looked up at the battle line, it was all there. There was the, the military might, right? So there was tanks and guns and, you know, stealth bombers and airplanes and all types of, you can imagine, whatever the world has at its disposal, military boys were there, weaponry and soldier boys, all there on the battle line. But that wasn't the only thing that was there. What was there was, was all these representations of every uh, political ideology you could imagine. All of them there from way back to, to um, communism, whoever invented that, Stalin and the likes that, to all the history people that you would remember that hold um, ideologies about politics and how the world should be run. And then there was the financial power there, all the big banks, all the big people there, money people that were, they were all there. And all the philosophers were there. And all of the educationers, educators, education people were there, all of the, the big representations of the big colleges were there, all the religions were there, if you name it, they were all there, it was like a big wall of all that the world had, right, and we were running towards them, right, the church, and the beauty of it all was, we weren't afraid, we weren't afraid, we were like, we were like pushing each other out of the way because we wanted to get there first and there was joy and laughter and it was like kids running down the hill to see who gets to the football first. It was like just a beautiful picture but ahead it seemed so, so dark and it, the reality of it was huge and all And we were running like we were all children right? and we run, and then we stopped like this. The whole lot was right, right in front of them and we lifted up our hands and they were looking at us and we started, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great. And they were all looking at us like, you idiots. All of them were looking down at you as the most foolish people in this world. We didn't care. We started singing. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great, great is the Lord. All of this was coming out. And as we were singing, all of their stuff started to melt. The weaponry started to melt. Their ideology, their thinking, the powers that they taught to have was, was foolishness to them, was useless to them. It was of no value to them because the church, we weren't afraid of them because we had our eyes fixed on the one who called us out of all this restrictive living. We were worshipping the Lord over them. Somehow we all knew that's why we weren't afraid. We could see that God was bigger than this world and bigger than the might and the military power and money power of this world. Woo! Woo! That's it. That's, uh, that's what this man done. He worshipped the way of all the, all the powers that was on him, all the restrictive living. He knew that he was in someone. I was like, I don't care. You can sell for the priests. You can sell for the doves. You can sell for the old ba black sheep. I'm going to the Lamb of God. Amen. And Jesus looks at him. And he says this. He shook him. 
verse, Jesus said to him, Get up and go. Listen to what he says in the Amplified. Jesus said to him, Get up and go on your way. Your faith, your personal trust in me, and your confidence in God's power has restored you to health. I read it again. Jesus said, Get up and go. Go on your way. Your faith, your personal trust in me and your confidence in God's power has restored you to health. Get up and go. Rise up and go, the NIV should say up there. Rise up and go. That Jesus turned now his life around. There was no more. He was now a leaping leper. He was now someone that was like, oh, no restrictions, like a little gazelle running down. I'm free, I'm free, that God has set me free. Now he could rise up and go. Nothing could stop him now. The restrictions was over. Now he could rise up and go and do anything. Now he could rise up and go and meet anyone. Now he could rise up and go and worship with his family. Now he could go and fulfill the plans of God. Now he could rise up and shoot the breeze where he wanted. Now he could rise up and, and, and swim and climb a mountain wherever he wanted. Now he could rise up and go. The restrictions are off. The restrictions are off you. The re- he could rise up and go because the rejection was off him. The brokenness was off him. Now he could rise up and go and walk into his future because the future was now bright. Now we could rise up and go because the kingdom is his. The kingdom is yours. You can rise up and go because the kingdom is yours. That's what Jesus says. The kingdom is yours. It belongs to you. It's in you. It's around you. It's at hand. It's yours. Now rise up and go. Rise up and allow your hallelujah be heard. He says, oh, I believe with all my heart. The Lord said this this year that uh, we have raised our hallelujah. We have. And I don't know about you, but I do know about you. And we probably raised our hallelujah through great teeth over these last couple of years. I'm going to sing in the middle of the storm. <laughs> You've been there. Louder and louder. That faith is wrong. That faith in that season is rewarded in a new season. You didn't run away. You didn't give in to all the restrictions. You didn't give in to the brokenness. You didn't give in to the pain. You didn't give in to the noise. You didn't give in to bad behavior of others. You still sang it. And praise God for that. Or I believe this year, our hallelujah is going to be a celebratory hallelujah. It's going to be one of rejoicing, joy of breakthroughs, of, of, of restrictive living coming off of us, of restriction relationally, restriction communally, relationally with God, off of us. And here's the thing that the Lord added to that, and I realised in the last week how important this second bit is. You're going to need discernment. You're going to need discernment for your hallelujah to be turned into a celebratory one. I couldn't understand. What do you think of the sermon? You know, like a mysterious, miss. oh yeah. Finishing. We were sharing on Friday at the elders' meeting. Thursday, the day before Friday. Friday morning, we're at a prayer meeting in the house. And a girl says, a barrister who works up in the courts, and she was with a solicitor doing the case. And the solicitor that she'd worked with before brought uh, his wife with him. And the wife, the wife was there. Uh, they were going to an appointment after, so before they went to the appointment after the case, they did it. The three of them went up and had a cup of tea. Uh, Karen got talking to the girl, and it turned out she was sharing some of her faith with her, and then the girl says, says, I've been away from the Lord for 14 years. And Karen sees this divine appointment just at work, 
Then Dolores pipes up and says, I've been working with these, these people to get them into Tig Lane. And they're, 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 they're moving forward, they're turning up. And, and there was names we've already been praying for. So she was giving us this praise report. Such and such is getting ready, such and such is nearly ready. And then Donna says, I've been praying that Jesus would make me more like him. And uh, I went into work yesterday, which was Thursday. This all happened on a Thursday. And, uh, and she says, she walks in a setting where there's uh, retired priests. And two of the priests needed their feet washed. And she says, I was down on my knees thinking, I'm washing their feet and remembering. I asked Jesus to make me like him. Right? Then Tom says, you know, last night I was out on, this, on the, uh, the Liberty Soup run. And uh, I led nine people to Jesus. Three couples and three people that were all homeless to Jesus, right? And uh, we're getting everybody. So then I said, oh, my Jay Rafferty and myself went up to see a fella in the hospital last night, Thursday night. And, uh, and if you ever want an experience of seeing Jesus walking along the corridors of hospitals, please go with Jay. And uh, like he was out there doing a, 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 a shift in work, probably eight or ten hour shift in Salvation Army. Meets him there, and uh, again I get up the stairs. He parks the car. Again I got up behind the car. The woman in the reception had a word for today. The guy beside the reception had a word for today. Jay is over. Jay is over at the um, over at the at the bin praying with two homeless guys. So like I go out to find out where Ian is. I'm, the girl is someone's is um, someone that comes to church mother. The guy beside me, I hung out with him when I was eight years of age, and he says, No. And uh, so we reconnected, going to get a cup of tea together. I goes over to two homeless guys, I knew them, knew them by name. One from Tippendale, you know, and uh, the other fella from Bobby Fairman. And it's like, I said, Are you Eugene? Yeah, Eugene, was it? And uh, so anyway, Jay was out there, and you know, so here's the thing. Like, so anyway, we're walking up, Jay said, You're blessed. And your man was running after us, going, I'm going to do the lotto. Like, I'm blessed, I'm going to do the lotto. And uh, so we go, so we pray with Ian, we get a chance, like, we're with Ian, we pray with Ian. Jay looks over to the other bed, like, you know, there's a man over there on his own. Would you like one of these devotionals? Yeah, yeah. Next door, next bed, yeah. In the other ward, yeah. On the way down the corridor, I'm like, I'm going to get home. When do we put this stage, man? We don't stop that going. And uh, anyway, yeah, four people walking up. I'm not bragging, but they looked at us and says, there's two good-looking men. <laughs> Jay, would you like us to pray for us? We would. In the corridor, praying. So we're on the elders and they're saying to the guys, just that, just encouraging, like, just after coming from that at 6 o'clock, now I'm on the elders meeting at 17. That's like, Rob's there sharing stories, like, of what was going on. But we were saying, and that, that was only... Five people in there. I was like, imagine what's going on in everyone else's life, and we're just not hearing it. That your stories. But Rob pipes up at the elders' meeting. He says, he says, oh, I was a bit fuzzy there, waking it up, and I could hear what you were saying and all that. And he says, that's like a year's testimony in one day. And that was the discernment. And we need to celebrate that. Like if that meeting was say at nine o'clock in the day, I probably would have forgotten all them stories somehow. And like getting on with the, with the morning and whatever. You're going to need the sermon for your hallelujahs. And when we celebrate in the smallest, it opens the door for more. Celebrate when we get up, Lord, thank you that I'm, I'm breathing today. Thank you, Lord, I'm alive today. Opens the door for more. Can we stand? Rob, will you come back? Because um, we have to sing. And we're going to take our singing. Yeah. Yeah. 
so many decision making in this stuff. They had to decide to call out to Jesus. He had to decide to come back with a song of praise. They had to turn, they had to make a decision of Jesus' word to turn to activate the word. And I believe this this year that the word hallelujah is huge. And maybe we've sang that song to death and we raised the hallelujah. But there's power in it for liberty, believe me. And maybe your point of activation this year is to make a song with a hallelujah. It doesn't have to be that one, but with a hallelujah. Your anthem. I'm going to praise God. Hallelujah means praise be to God. I'm going to praise God. I'm going to praise you in the morning. and praise you in the evening, Lord. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to use this as an activation of my faith to turn what was leprous into me leaping.